0: We have a very exciting month coming up, and uh, I just uh, can't hardly wait for the people that we're going to hear from, and I want to walk through that this morning and talk to you about uh, some of the things that are going on, because the perception is, particularly in this country, is that uh, Christianity is crashing, like uh, it's completely coming unglued at the seams, momentum's going flat, it's falling out the bottom, and everybody's found something else that's way better than church, and so they're all rolling in these different directions, and church is just a fading institution, which the few, that be you, who have no brains, are just sitting here out of dumb loyalty, but we all know nothing's really going on, and aren't they wonderful people? A little misguided, but sweet, right? And uh, that's kind of the, the cultural narrative of what's going on. I want to suggest to you, we are sitting right now in one of the most explosive uh, eras of Christianity that has ever existed on the face of the planet. This is an absolutely spectacular time to be alive, All right, If you were going to be born in any era of history, this one is really one of the most incredible ones to be a part of and to experience because you're going to see things happen in this era that have never happened in the history of the world. And so uh, I want to talk about that this morning. I want to walk us through that together to kind of prep and amp for what's going to happen in October. So will you join me in prayer? Father, as we uh, talk this morning, it isn't my story. It isn't my stuff. I'm merely a cheerleader this morning for the stuff you're doing. And therefore, uh, I'm asking that you'd help me do it well. But I'm also asking that it would reflect what you're actually doing and that we would get excited, our faith would get geared up, and we would be looking for places where you're operating and uh, trying to cooperate with you. So we ask for your favor this morning and give that to you in your name. Amen. All right. Let's start with, let's go back to the beginning. I want to start with um, when the church first started, when when the first plants went out, when Paul was going around and planting churches in all these crazy places that we know of like Galatia and Ephesus and Thessalonica and all those crazy words that um, you now know and are familiar with. What was going on? If you go to Colossians, if you got your Bibles, open them up or turn them on, whichever one you got. Open the page and um, take a look at Colossians chapter 1. We are going to start in verse 5 and it reads like this. Paul is talking about the the growth and the multiplication of the gospel, what had been going on. He says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Pause for a second there. Do you remember the time when you heard the gospel and it you understood it that your eyes were open that the blinders came off and you understood who Jesus was can you go back to that time can you place that memory can you lock that in that's what Paul's talking about it says from the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved fellow servant he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul is talking about this report that's gone out and it's come from Epaphras about how well the Thessalonian church is doing after he had planted it and after he had left. Reports came back of of what they were doing. The gospel that Paul's talking about, the message of Jesus dying on the cross for our sin and then being raised to life by the power of God and that through him our sins can be forgiven and that by placing our faith in Him, we can receive eternal life, is still penetrating the infrastructure of our world today. It has not stopped. It has not gone off. It is still warping the fabric of what we know in our world today and bringing eternal life to people who hear it and then come to understand it. Much of the information that you find, as a matter of fact, in the epistles... If you go through, just think what you know about them. Uh, much of the information are reports of Jesus' kingdom activity. Jesus would do something, the Holy Spirit would do something, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's happening over here, boom, and, and reports and word would go back and forth uh, among those. And those reports spread really quickly. If you turn from Colossians and go to 1 Thessalonians, a little bit farther in the New Testament, Paul's talking about how these reports spread. He says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we may not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God to wait for His Son from heaven whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Now, Paul was talking about the fact that this gospel is spreading and shooting out all over the place. This is hot news. This was the big stuff going on. Now, today, we don't think that way simply because it doesn't show up on MSN, it doesn't show up on Facebook, and it doesn't show up on CNN. And so what we think is really very little is happening to the gospel. When in truth... More is happening today, right now, as you sit in that chair, as you're listening to me, more is happening right now at this moment for the gospel than ever in the history of the world. And Paul's talking about, when he talks about here Macedonia, Macedonia, we would know that as modern day Greece. Paul's over in Asia, uh, Turkey, modern day Turkey, what we would call Turkey. And so he's over there and he's, he's talking about this report that's come from there and saying, wow, we don't even have to talk about this. It's already ricocheting around and bouncing off of other people. And we've heard the reports of how your faith is spreading. Also, messengers were critical in this. A little further, 1 Thessalonians 3, if you start with verse 6 there, Paul is giving another report, it says, But now that Timothy has come to us from you. So there's times where Paul and Timothy and Silas and Epaphras and Epaphroditus and Luke and Apollos and all these names that you're familiar with, they would come together, they would form, and then they'd shoot off into different directions and then they would come back and reports would be given and then they'd shoot off in different directions again, right? And Paul's Paul's talking about, now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly. That's always a nice thing from a pastor's part, is you went some more time they remember you kindly. That's a kind of a, uh, that speaks to me. Thank you. And as long as you see us, and we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we've been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. And it is always true and has always been true when people of faith hear of reports of other people of faith standing firm in the gospel. It's always a blessed report. People always get super encouraged about that, to hear what's going on in these different, in these different places. But Timothy was what we call a traveling itinerant preacher. He would go off on assignment, go to these different places check out. He would probably plant some churches. He'd go back through where they'd already planted some churches. Then he'd come back and bring reports to Paul. And Paul was thrilled because when Timothy came back from the Thessalonian church, he said, man, they are walking it. And he went, yeah, yes. He was excited about that. And that uh, happens today. People travel uh, just like back then. And, and word spreads, much like uh, you freed Pam and I up this summer to be able to go to Africa and Europe. You sent us as ambassadors for Northview. I was honored. That was a great honor to do that, by the way, and, and just to tell the report of our church. And you have to know that the report of our church in the eyes of those missions is like up here, just up here. Okay? They, they just think we are world beaters over here. Um, for doing that and because it's so unusual for the head pastor to go and visit missionaries and actually go see how they're doing. So that was huge. But the the reports traveled just like that. We went, we brought back reports and uh, uh, some of those same reports are taking place today. For example, let me go back to a story I told you and break it down for you so the impact will be greater. We went to uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. At Dar Salaam, Tanzania, are Nate and Tammy Lashley. Nate, uh, former roommate, youth staff person back when I was a youth pastor, which was a long time ago. And um, and he, I was best man in his wedding, so they're just beloved friends. And we went there. And when we got there, Nate told us the story. Now, this is the assembly of God, all right? So this is just one branch of fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. But he was telling in their circles that seven and a half years ago they had 1,765 churches. Now stop, pause for a second. That is an amazing number. I would be more than happy with that number. If we could say in our conference we had 1,765 churches, I'd be doing Fruit Loops off the stage. Well, maybe not. I break these days, but back in the past I would have done that, right? Because 1,700, I would have, like, we have, for example, in Converge Northwest, we have about 100 churches. We're aiming for 200 in the next 10 years, thinking that is a monster goal, okay? They went from 1,765 churches to 8,000 churches in 7 and a half years, okay? 8,000 churches. So they, that means in a 7 and a half period, let me break that down for you. Because that could be just something that is a number. Let me break that down for you for a second. That means in the last seven and a half years, they have planted six thousand two hundred and seventy-five churches. In seven and a half years, that have happened, and that's happening right now as we sit here. Okay? Break it down a little further. That would be roughly. Get this into your calendar. Think about your bandwidth. Think about your schedule. That's roughly 520 churches a month. 520 churches a month are getting planted right now as we sit here in Tanzania by the Assembly of God. Break it down a little further. You want to make it even more amazing? That's 130 churches a week. Could you imagine a church movement in America that planted 130 churches a week? Is that crazy or what? If you break it down even farther, make it even more amazing, that's just a little over 18 churches a day. As we sit here right now, 18 churches are being planted today in just Tanzania. That's not what's going on across the globe. That's what's just going on in Tanzania with the assembly of God. There are all kinds of other groups there as well. Here's even more astonishing. You know what their goal is? 10,000 churches. They want to plant 2,000 more churches and get this, 2,000 more churches as we sit here right today by the end of 2018, in a year and a half. They want to plant 2,000 more churches. Okay? Now, yes, they don't have the infrastructure stuff we do yet, but look at what they can do that we can't do. It's amazing, right? There is stuff happening right now that has never happened in the history of the world. It's busting out in ways that are incredible. You say, well, how is the gospel growing today? Well, contrary to popular opinion, Christianity is growing rather than decreasing today. I'm not going to bore you with all the numbers and all the statistics and all that kind of stuff. Look it up for yourself. You can find it. Look up in Christianity Day. Look it up on the web. You can find all the numbers. But it is having a surge today that is absolutely amazing. More people are surrendering to Jesus today than at any other time of history. Now, that is true that there are more people today. Right? There are more people on the planet, so that makes that a little easier. But if you look at the numbers, more people are surrendering to faith in Jesus Christ today than at any other moment in history. It's a spectacular time to be alive. Uh, how so? Well, let's just pull a couple things. The, the southern component of the gospel is exploding in numbers. Now, when I say the southern component of the gospel, I'm not talking about Alabama and Mississippi. Okay, although let's hope God moves there. Okay, but when I say the southern component, I'm talking about South Africa. Well, let's go South America and South Africa. All right, those two continents. That's called the southern component. When you look at those uh, two continents, the numbers for Christianity are absolutely explosive. Incredible uh, things happening there. Here's another one, China. Right. we all know about China. China is poised to become the largest Christian nation on earth with guesstimates of there being 160 million believers by 2025. That's eight years from now. Okay? Now, 160 million believers, pause for a minute, that is the most absolute, rock-bottom, conservative number that they can possibly come up with. They honestly, right now, today, do not know how many believers there are in China. Right, because there's the open church and then there's the closed church or underground church and they have no idea where that is going in terms of people coming to Christ but they know conservatively absolute most basic uh, conservative estimates they can that in 8 years there are going to be over 160 million believers just in China alone Right, an incredible incredible deal Uh this doesn't even include other places where the gospel is erupting. For example, uh, we hear a lot in our uh, in our country right now, especially North Korea, right? All the focus is on North Korea. Do you know what God has done in South Korea with the gospel? Do you know the largest church in the world is in South Korea? It's not here. It's, not, it's in South Korea. Over 100,000 people in Pastor Park's church. Right, and and it's exploding. They have more Christians in South Korea per capita than anywhere else in the world. Matter of fact, they are now starting to send missionaries to the United States, hoping to convert the pagans. <laughs> True story, right? Many of you know that. That uh, there's places like this. It's it's rupturing all over the globe. Um, uh, we can give some other things, but uh, for example, one of the places where it's birthing. Brand new, right now, as we sit here, is in Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea is now coming to faith in Christ uh, in one of the most remote areas of the world. The Finisterre Mountain Range is a place that is now being targeted and people are going there. And as a matter of fact, we have two of our very own, Scott and Noel Hardaway. Noel's here this morning. Scott's... You'll find out where Scott is in just a second. But we're going to show you just a little video uh, of them talking about Papua New Guinea. So would you look at the screen?
1: Hi, we're Scott and Noel Hardaway. We've been a part of Northview for a little over three years now. We're getting ready to leave for Papua New Guinea next summer. Papua New Guinea is a country on the eastern half of the island of New Guinea, just north of Australia. And there are over 800 languages spoken there making it the most linguistically diverse place on earth. We'll be working in one of the many language groups where there are no churches, no Christians, no scriptures, and no other missionaries. People who have never heard of the good news of Jesus in the history of the world. And the door for the gospel is wide open in Papua New Guinea. In fact, there are language groups begging for missionaries.
2: When we arrive, we'll be learning the trade language, which is called Pidgin, Then we'll survey different villages to find one willing to have us come and live with them. We'll move into the village, build a house, learn the tribal language and culture, develop an alphabet and literacy program, and teach the people to read and write in their own language. Then we'll start translating the Bible, begin teaching Bible lessons, and share the gospel with them plant a church, raise up leaders, equip the people that take the gospel themselves to neighboring villages in the same language group, and even to neighboring language groups, and then we'll phase out, handing over the reins to them so that they become a self-supporting, self-propagating, indigenous church. Our goal is to accomplish all of this in 10 to 12 years.
1: We've been receiving training for the last two years to learn how to do all this through our missions agency, Finister Vision. We've completed about two-thirds of the training, and besides completing the rest of our training, there are a lot of additional things that we need to do in the next 10 months to get ready to leave. Things like getting vaccinations, obtaining work permits and entry visas, getting evacuation insurance in case of a medical emergency while we're in the jungle, planning our travel, selecting homeschool curriculum, all while we're both working full-time. So, please pray for us as we address these items that we would be able to complete all of these important tasks in the time that we have remaining.
2: We're also receiving about 50% of the necessary financial support that we'll need on the mission field. Right now, all that money is going into our startup fund to cover our travel expenses and supplies to build our house in PNG, But later on, it will provide for our ongoing daily needs.
1: We're heading out to Indiana September 30th through October 8th. I'll be speaking at a chapel service at my alma mater, Huntington University, and attending my 20-year class reunion. But we're also going to be meeting with various churches to see if any of them are interested in including us in their 2018 budget. So we would also ask you to pray that God would lead both individuals and churches to start investing financially in our But we would never be able to do any of this without the support of Northview Community Church. Thank you so much for investing in us, investing in this ministry that we're engaged in and supporting us in prayer. It's a real joy to be part of this church. And we know that we'll be taking you with us in our hearts when we head out from here next. We're Scott and Noel Hardaway, and we're missionaries to Papua New Guinea.
0: Isn't that good? We actually got him to smile at the end there. That was... Noelle's right here. Raise your hand. Okay, give her a hand. Thank you. Very cool. All right, so we've got stuff happening right there. Plus, the other thing that's going on that is really the best word you can put to it is miraculous is what's going on in the 1040 window. Somebody came up this morning and asked me, what's the 1040 window? All right, if you take uh, the 1040, if you've got the equator and you have 40 and 40, that's latitude, right? Or no, longitude. And then the 10s, that's latitude, right? So if you go basically from the coast of Africa all the way through the Middle East out to Malaysia, that's called the 1040 window. And what's going on there, that is called the House of Islam. It is the, the nations that are dominated by Islam. And Christianity has virtually had no impact there uh, in the last 1,300 years. And now suddenly, miraculous, all kinds of reports are coming out. Uh, Pam and I heard this when we were in Salzburg, Austria, from the refugees of uh, Iran and Afghanistan, that uh, Jesus is showing up to people in dreams, in visions, um, all kinds of things. The other thing that's happening is uh, the the spread of uh, satellite radio, satellite Internet satellite television is changing. They're actually reading the Bible and coming to faith in Christ. I want to give you a a book. If you're interested in tracking what's going on right now, there's a new book out called A Wind Through the House of Islam. It's by um, David Garrison. And uh, it tracks the what's been going on. Most of this here is with the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, and they are one of the largest church planning groups in the world. But they are telling the story of the what's going on. In each of, there's nine, what they call nine houses of Islam, nine different areas. And they take each of these areas and talk about what's going on in those areas. You can't put it down. Right? It's a fascinating reading. So if you want to explore that and see what's going on, there's a good resource for you. There's lots There's lots of other ones. All right, so you can be sitting there this morning saying, well, great, Steve, that's fantastic. What about the USA? I mean, we're just going down the toilet in a handbasket, right? We're just falling apart. Uh, churches are dying. People are leaving. And uh, there's nothing going on in the Church of America. And I want to suggest something to you that it. Uh, is not as bad as it looks. I was reading this week out of Christianity Today. Ed Stetzer is a, a church statistician, kind of tracks church where it goes. And and Ed was tracking about the, when several of these reports came out, like the Pew Report and the Harris Report, and it talked about all the people that were leaving the churches. And, and so he looked into that and was checking. He says, what he says is this, the reports of the death of the church in the USA are way over-exaggerated. He says the church, yes, is in transition, but transition is very different or vastly different from dying. He said what's going on is there's a lot of change, there's a lot of turnover, but he says the church is far from dying. He says, but when people got a hold of that, they wanted to proclaim that, and, and really, there's a lot of people who would love to see the church just croak. Just- Right? over good. Got that sucker out of here. We're sick of that thing. Glad it's gone. But here's the problem you can't kill the Holy Spirit. Right? Little problem there. Right? Hard to kill him. And the problem that's even more than that is the church is Jesus' bride. And last I checked in my life, I tend to protect my bride. I don't know about you, but I tell people nobody talks to my wife that way. Nobody. Right? The hardest spanking Kayla ever got was when she swatted mom. And then I swatted her. Okay? And she cried. I held her for 20 minutes. She looked at me. And I, said, I said, do you know what was wrong? She goes, yeah. I said, okay, here's the rule, Kayla. That's my wife. Nobody hits my wife. Okay? And I want to suggest to you, Jesus has that same passionate, torrential love towards his church. And Ed really brought something out that uh, I think clarifies. He was talking about, if you look at three different categories, it really helps to clarify the numbers. The first category, he talks about cultural Christians. I'm a Christian because I'm an American, right? We know that, right? You check the box. Uh, I'm in America. I must be a Christian, right? That's what it means to be Christian. No, that just means you're an American. Um, That really has nothing to do with being Christian at all. And the second category he uh, checks is those who are congregational Christians in other words I attend church but in a lot of places church is the thing you're supposed to do it's what is expected of me and so I go because it's it's the thing that's supposed to be done it really doesn't mean that I'm invested in the life of Jesus at all just means I'm sitting here the third category that he pulls excuse me is what he calls convictional Christians And convictional Christians are people who have met Jesus in a personal way. They have gotten exposed to the Word of God and they are trying to live their life out convictionally, by faith, what they feel the Lord is asking them to do. He says, when you look at the numbers since 1972, the numbers have changed dramatically for cultural Christians and congregational Christians. But the numbers have changed hardly at all for convictional Christians. In other words, those who are what we would call believers, those who are walking, those who are invested in the faith, the numbers have stayed static. Now, there's two sides to that number as well. One is it's great that that number has not dipped. Another, what that means is there's just as many people walking today as there were back in 1972. The bad side of that is that there hasn't been a great increase in our country. All right? The gains have kind of washed out. There's just about the same number of people who are walking, but there aren't a lot more. Our country has been in a dearth of experiencing or um, sensing Jesus for a long time, probably since back in the Jesus movement. If you're old enough to remember the Jesus movement, absolutely phenomenal historical event that never gets reported on. Literally changed the course of America. Vietnam War, Angela Davis, the Black Panthers, 1967, Democratic National. Yes, I was there. I remember. I'm sorry. I'm old. Okay, But... I knew where the country was at that time, four dead in Ohio, right, Kent State. Our country was being ripped apart at the seams. The institutions as we knew them were under enormous fire. And then this thing called the Jesus Resolution happened and it swept across the country and pulled our country back from the brink. And we've been living off the tail end of it ever since. Uh, Shannon Fallon, his parents came to Christ in the Jesus Revolution. I came to Jesus at the tail end of the Jesus revolution. Okay? And so that wave is still rippling across our country. And so one of the questions then comes, well, okay, what about the millennials? Right? Because the reports are that the millennials have absolutely abandoned church. By the way, you're not millennials, guys. You're too young. Okay? Yep, sorry. You're the teens now. So the millennials are the gang just older than you, right? In the mid-20s in there, mid-30s right in there. Those are the millennials. You're the youngsters coming after them, okay? And um, so we got to get a name for you. I don't know what the name is. You must have one. And uh, so, but the question is, what about the millennials? Because the reports are they've abandoned the church. The reports are that, uh, you know, they're just walking wholesale away. I saw one report that said less than 4% of all millennials... Um, are involved in church. Okay? And there is a lot of damage and a lot of destruction in what we would call the latchkey generation. The generation that grew up with no dad. The generation that grew up with broken families. The generation that grew up being entertained by television. Uh, there are just massive effects of that. But here's an, another article. Both of these articles, by the way, Ed Stetzer was in Christianity Day and then uh, so is... Uh, this report on the Millennials on Christianity Today. But what he says is this. He said, um, the Millennials, it isn't as clean a picture as everybody's trying to paint. The Millennials don't trust the Bible. The Millennials don't go to church. Da, da, da. But he's saying this. The Millennials who walk, the ones who are the convictional Christians, have almost the same pattern as their parents or their grandparents. In other words, they are motivated, they are in the word, they pray, and they are serious about their faith. And so the ones who are, really are. The ones who are out, are really out. Right? And that would include that uh, cultural Christianity and then the congregational Christianity. Here's what he's saying. In the article, he talks about uh, the statistics and all, I won't bore you with that, but basically what he's saying is this. There is a huge gap a huge vacuum in our culture of this pull away effect from the church and he says in any culture when that swing pulls and it it takes and stretches the rubber band so far then the rubber band snaps back and it comes back with a fury and I want to suggest to you that we are on the brink of one of the greatest revivals that will ever exist in the history of the world I have said this since 1986. That's a long time. Not long in terms of history, but a long time. That generation, God loves. He cares about those who've gone through divorce. He cares about the latchkey kids. He cares about the kids who've been abandoned. He cares about the ones who've cried in a corner and don't have anyone to comfort them. He is not going to let that generation perish. He loves the church across the world and He loves the church in the United States of America and He is going to capture that which has been stolen from Him. Mark my words. He is going to recapture that which has been stolen from Him. And trust me, it has been stolen. And He is going to reclaim it. And right now we are sitting in one of the areas that should be the most amazing era to be alive in in the history of the world. There might come a lot of problems with it. But I think we're going to see the gospel explode in ways that it hasn't exploded in a long, long time. I'm going to ask the uh, guys to come forward. And uh, would you begin to serve us communion? We're going to have communion together today. And part of communion today is um, the fact that we're going to be looking over this next month what is going on in the world? In other words, instead of Steve reporting about it, we're going to bring people who actually are in all these different places, are connected to all these different places, and they can tell the real stories of what are, are going on. I want to once again just walk through, um, while they're distributing communion, um, who's coming and, and why they're coming. Next week, Emmanuel and Grace Muhammad are coming. Uh, Emmanuel and Grace have been here before. They have absolutely galvanized us as a congregation in uh, their story of how they came to faith. Uh, as you know, Emmanuel comes from a country where there's open persecution to Christianity, and so we can't mention the country. But um, he uh, had gotten away through James and Sarah Lund, and then they were able to come to the States, and so um, they were able to uh, get away from that. And then this year, uh, Emmanuel decided that he had to go back. Both James and I, James and Sarah, are with YWAM down in um, South Africa. Told him that's a bad idea. That's a dumb idea. And other people told him it's a bad idea and a dumb idea. And he did it anyways. All right. And so he's going to come back and tell us not only the story of his journey, his trip, but he's going to tell us what he sensed God was doing and where God's going to call him in the next short period here. So we're going to get the inside open window uh, from. Uh, Emmanuel, what's going on? The next person coming that will be speaking here is John Wagenveld. Uh, if it's German, it's Wagenveld. That's Dutch, right? And uh, and uh, we don't know John's name. He is the head of a group called Church Multi- or I'm sorry, Multiplication Network Ministries. John travels the globe. He is like Billy Graham. The uh, fact that we could have somebody like John here in our church is ridiculous. Okay. Uh, He's just off the charts. He's like a modern Apostle Paul. But he likes us. And uh, because of a friend named Steve Chittenden, uh, many of us know that name. Steve's been a long friend here of Northview. Uh, He will be here that Sunday as well and uh, introduce us to John. But John's going to tell us what's going on in the church planting world, what's going on in that arena, in all these different areas we're talking about. And then after John will be Tim Utman. Tim Utman serves with International Association for Refugees. Tim and his wife Rachel have been involved in refugees uh, in Italy and then in England, and now they are back in the United States uh, because they got caught in the Bitcoin thing and they got ejected out of England, had to come back under duress. And so they're in Minneapolis-St. Paul working for this group, and they're now coordinating what's going on with different refugee groups that work with refugees so they can all work in one direction and not overlap or duplicate product, right? And so they're working on that. Tim's going to come and give us, you know, we hear about all this movement of people, but what's going on? What's the movement within the movement as they move? In other words, what's going on in terms of the faith and Christianity as all these groups are being scattered across the globe? Tim will be able to bring us a report on that and uh, the refugee situation in the world should be spectacular. And then we'll go more regional. On the 29th, we'll go back to something we own. Uh, We have been involved with Ojos Negros down on the Baja Peninsula of Mexico uh, for a number of years now. We've done a number of missions trips. We're going to do a couple more. We've built them a wall. We've built parts of the church for them. And uh, Pastor Simon and his wife are down there serving. And Pastor Speedy Solis is in Ensenada. He's the pastor that launched Ojos Negros and planted it. He's going to come up and tell us not only uh, the reports of uh, Ojos Negros, but he's also going to tell us reports of what's going on in Ensenada right now uh, with his church. And they're going to do a couple church plants and some outreaches. He's going to bring his son Juan with him. Juan's a great guy, big guy, handsome guy, funny. You'll like him a lot. Uh, Speaks very good English. And he's going to come with his dad uh, to tell some of the reports of what's going on down there. And we'll wrap the month up together. All right, here's the hope. What's the hope, you say? Here's the hope. The hope is this. As we, if we can see what God is doing there, then we can believe that He can do it here. As we watch what's going on across the globe and say that, then we can see, we can believe, have faith that He'll do it here as well. And the hope is the eyes of our heart, our faith eyes will get opened up to really seek and pray for what God can do here. And communion this morning is the fact that we are linked with the entire body of Christ across the world. It's not just Northview. We're just one of many thousands upon thousands upon thousands of outposts that exist in the world. We have to do our job. We have a responsibility. And we better do it well. And they have their job. And they better do their job well. Right? And it isn't the same across the board. A lot of time we have... Uh, Envy. Why doesn't the Lord break out miracles or signs or do those things that, you know, he's doing like in Africa? And my response is, well, do you want to go through the persecution they're going through to have that happen? No. Right. So there's a trade off. But God has not forgotten any part of his church. That's why he created it. It's Jesus's church across the board, even here. And the goal this morning is we stand with the church for which Jesus died for. We are part of his body. And Jesus says, when you gather, always remember the whole big picture. And remember what my death was for. He said, this is my body which was broken for you, broken for everyone in the world. He said, eat this in memory of me. And he took a cup which represented his blood. His blood which was shed for the remission of our sins. Anybody say thank you for that? Anybody grateful for that? I know I am. He says, when you drink this, he says, I'm not going to drink of this till I come back. There's the promise. But you drink it till I come back. He said, drink this in memory of me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up while they're coming up to service and worship as we wrap up. Would you close your eyes for just a minute and join with me and just think, just ignore them if they make a couple clicks or pops. That's not really the important part right now. As you listen this morning, and I'm watching, I know you as my friends, you are intensely listening. You are actively listening. You're engaged. What does that say to what you know the Lord's telling you. What does this morning say to your heart? Are you, oh no, or are you, oh yeah? Which way do you lean? Oh no or oh yeah? Let's pray. Father, as we think through this, or process of this, we would tell you, we seek you to do a work in our country. Lord, like in Mill Creek, it's like pounding on concrete. Only a move of your Spirit would change that. And we seek you for that. We ask for the sake of so many who don't know. So many who have turned. So many who have deep wounds and offenses and things they can't let go of and things that they perceive. And yet, Lord, it has kept them from knowing you. We seek you this morning that you would break out. we thrilled to these reports of how things are changing on the planet. May it, so, may it be so here as well. We ask for your favor in that, in your name. Amen.